author of Hidden History, Crimes and Cover-Ups in American Politics, 1776 to 1963, and Survival of the Richest, Donald Jeffries separates the real from the unreal. Fact from fiction. Fact from fiction. Reverse engineering our manufactured reality. And now, from just outside the swamp-infested Washington, D.C., this is I Protest with Donald Jeffries. And welcome to I Protest. This is Donald Jeffries coming to you as the man says from just outside the Swamp Infest in Washington, D.C., as I do every Friday at this time, 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, if you're watching the live stream over YouTube, we're also out there over rockfin.com. And please check out freeworld.fm. We're also going up there, and there's a chat there. I don't know if I'll be able to check that too. But um, my guest today is Mark Young. Who uh, his, uh, He's got a very interesting guy. He's a Marine veteran. Uh, he He's was one of those who was on top of the COVID hoax as early 2020 as I was. Uh, he's written songs about that. He writes a lot of songs. And uh, we're probably going to discuss mostly his parents' right, rights website, which is exiledparents.org. And uh, we'll talk a lot about that in his own personal situation. Uh, you know, we like to focus on this show. I've more and more, I'm very interested in uh, what I call municipal corruption, people that are uh, being affected by uh, family courts, uh, in this case, divorce courts, whatever. There's so much corruption out there from top to bottom at all levels. And uh, so we like to focus on that. Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks, Donald, for having me on. Appreciate it. Oh, well, it's my pleasure. So uh, let's talk about how you, um, first of all, you're, you're, uh, how you came to, uh, I guess, to start the, uh, the, the Parents' Rights Organization, do you, you were obviously compelled to do so because of your own experience, I imagine, or were you already interested even before that? Oh, uh, no, it was, it was my own, uh, my own situation. Uh, <clears throat> 12 years of legal battles, total of nine months in jail, uh, bankruptcy, lost driver's license, stolen driver's license, should say. Uh, yeah, my kids were, uh, uh, my oldest daughter was three, twins year and a half old when they were stolen from me in 1989. And, uh, you know, I, I beat my head against the wall just trying to get some custody rights for 12 years and finally said, forget it. You know, I'm just spinning my wheels. We don't have a real court system. The family courts are a joke. They're, it's a kangaroo court. And so I just said, well, what can I do? You know, and my dad died in uh, 2006 and I inherited some funds. So I decided to use those uh, for fighting this war. Uh, before that, I was just, you know, basically destitute. Um, you can't do anything without money. Yeah, well, you're perfect. So, uh, re reading your story, that was uh, what really uh, leaped out at me. And you know, I wrote a book, Survival of the Riches, which kind of touches on this, how really it is the system is effective and can work for the, the top 20% or so, the people that had the resources for it. But for the 80% below that, and certainly people who have nothing, the system is a nightmare. 
because you have to be able to have funds to to be able to access any kind of justice or fairness. And in your case, I, as I understand, one of the it looked like maybe the primary reason your your marriage broke up was because simply because of the fact you 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 had an injury and you didn't have enough income. And uh, that that, ha- that happens sometimes. And unfortunately, it's yeah. something you'd think that's uh, but. You know, there's a reason why 50% of marriages end in divorce, right? I mean, that sense probably, I don't know, I think it's gone up. I don't know if it has officially or not, but it would seem like in this day and age, it's probably just going to get worse, I would imagine. And uh, obviously something very, um, that doesn't seem like it should be a deal breaker, but we see it happen all the time where marriages break up for those kinds of things, even when they're children of all. So the heart goes out to you, what you went through there, and people can read about your your own story. First of all, how, how do you stand now? I mean, it, it looked like you were, uh, it looks like you're, 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 you're getting on your feet a little financially now, but are you able to have any contact with your children whatsoever? No, I'm not. Uh, the last, I had a chat with my son, um, I think last on his birthday last April. Uh, and, uh, but like I had at the end of the chat, I asked him for his new address, no response. You know, it's the kind of thing. They want to keep me at uh, at a distance. My two daughters, same thing. How old are your kids now? Seen, How old are your kids now? Uh, <clears throat> oldest daughter is, I think, 39. Oh. And it, so the others are 36 and a half, 37. I have to figure it out. So they're... <laughs> Obviously, they're old enough to where if they wanted to have a, a relationship yeah. with you, they could at this point. Absolutely. My door is open to them. Uh, my oldest daughter is on my email list. I've got you know about 160 people on my email list. She's one of them, but I never get a response from her. Uh, she told me years ago, she, <clears throat> she kind of like said, you know, Dad, I love you, uh, but I just don't want to have contact with you. It's like, I think... I bring up memories of all the crap they went through yeah. right? and uh, plus a little bit of brainwashing from their mother. But I really, you know, I really can't speak for them and I don't want to right. judge them what's going through their heads. Uh, we all went through hell. I know they did. Um, and yeah. so did I, but uh, so I've, I've, but I don't, I don't let it bother me. I mean, I, I, I look at myself, like I said, I'm, I'm a victim of, of this war against families, along with tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, other ones. So I'm not going to sit around and, and feel guilty or, um, or like I have, I'm desperate. When, when your kids are little, it's really hard, right? Yes. You know, they don't, they don't understand what's going on. And when they did reach majority, I was able to have a few conversations with them, and they told me you know, about the brainwashing and stuff. But uh, anyway, I you know my door is always open to them, but I've I've kind of moved on to uh, the bigger picture of what's going on, you know, the, the COVID stuff, especially for the past three years. Uh, and I started my main website about I guess about. 10 years ago, issuesoutline.org, where I just try to wake people up to what we all know about you guys. And, you know, I followed David Knight, I followed InfoWars until they fired him. 
Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. And, I, I was on his show today earlier today. It was Tony was the guest host. <clears throat> oh yeah, I haven't caught that one yet. I'm stay like a day or two behind. Mm -hmm. I get the uh, the podcast. But uh, yeah, that's my main website, issuesoutline.org, where I just uh, try to list all the main issues. Uh, you know, the banking system, the economy, uh, Second Amendment. Uh, all the other medical tyranny and the environmental and health issues, EMFs and whatnot. That's well, we had a show. Uh, we had a show uh, two weeks ago on a couple of people that are regular listeners to the show that uh, suffer from EMFs. So I hope you can catch that. And I have other people here that do that as well. Uh, Dawn Lambert on the screen says she's got a pen and paper. Hope you're in the states. I think she's. I guess she's talking about maybe wanting to help you. Is there a way people can? I assume that maybe I'm misreading that, but I think that's what she means. Uh, do, you, is, do you have like a go uh, GoFundMe or a PayPal or something if you if you want help? I'm not sure. Well, I don't, I'm not. She's talking about with my family issues. I, I guess uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's kind of like that's like ancient history now. Uh, right. Water under the bridge. There's really nothing I can do about it. I, the ball is in my kids' courts, so uh, I don't know what what somebody be able to do. Okay. Well, that's, uh, so Thank, thanks you, anyway, but. Okay. Well, and certainly I, uh, yeah. I would urge everybody to go to your website. So to, before we get into COVID and the other stuff, so I want to stick on this because, um, I had a guest a while back on my show and God, I've, I've forgotten the name, but, uh, there was a woman who, uh, had been through the, and was really unusual. I told her your case is very much what I've seen over and over again. The, clearly the case, the courts are usually, uh, definitely in favor of the mother in favor of the woman. The, the fathers usually lose almost all the time. But in her That's case, right. she was one of those ones where the father really did seem like a Cretan. He had beaten her and all that stuff. So of course, in that case, they took his side. Uh, so it seems to be like, if you look at the courts in general, I, I write about this and talk about it a lot. It's astonishing how juries just pretty much rubber stamp guilty verdicts almost all the time. I mean, if you're, you're charged and they have no concept of reasonable doubt, but once in a while, They'll, you'll find somebody, the evidence seems stacked against them, and they'll acquit them for some reason. They, they seem to make the wrong decision all the time, and family courts seem to reflect that as well, where they tend to be prejudiced against the fathers and not give them any kind of rights. Uh, but in, in, like I said, in her case, <clears throat> it was the uh, exact opposite. So when you- It happens. Yeah, sure, it does. So you you started this, uh, talk about your organization you started for fathers' rights. I want to I want to hear about that, and maybe you can give us an example of some stories you've heard. Well, it wasn't really an organization. It was just, I, I started uh, doing interviews of other victims and I post those. I had I got a YouTube channel and there's several hundred videos up there. And I would go to uh, family right rallies all around the country and record the videos. Just, you know, just trying to amplify what's going on, expose what's happening. Um, yeah, you're going to, you're going to need to pump me for information because I, especially. Okay. Okay. Well, let's, let's, <clears throat> so when, mental block. well, I'm, okay. Well, what I, I'm assuming when you, uh, after your own case, which I mean, you, you describe very, uh, in great detail on your website and I certainly feel for you, uh, uh, did you, when you started writing about it and publishing about that, did you start hearing, did you hear from other people? Is that how you decided that, that had been oh, through absolutely. similar experiences? 
Absolutely. I mean, over the years, I've gotten calls from probably hundreds of parents, uh, some mothers in included. And, uh, you know, I would, they would start, they want to, they like explode with information, right? Uh, and and every, every time somebody news call, somebody else calls me, it's my own, I'm hearing my own story again, right? It's just a repeat over and over. And I have to eventually, the people yeah. just go on, they talk and talk and talk like I was when I first started out on this, you know, it's like you're drowning and you're grasping for something to hold on to and never, you know, trying to get something from me. And there's really nothing I could do other than just listen to their stories and sympathize with them. Um, because I have no, I have no hope, any, any faith in our court system, the family courts, especially. Uh, so I would, I would have to just stop these people say, please, uh, you know, I've heard the story dozens of times. I can't take it. It's just, all it does is like pour salt on my own wounds. You know what I mean? So, right. But, he, but you started he, the organization, you started the organization, I'm assuming to try to, to just have people to be able to realize they weren't alone or what, what, what does your organization no, do? No. do, you, do you it, my, my, my website was just to expose what's going on. Okay. Uh, and I would go to uh, father's rights meetings and uh, hear the same stories there. And I just realized that the main thing we need is awareness. That's the main thing, probably even today still, even though I'm not following the family rights movement, if there is one, uh, I'm not current on what's going on. There's there's people like uh, Stephen Baskerville. He's probably the best known author uh, as, as far as family matters go. He wrote uh, uh, Taken into Custody about exposing the divorce industry. I shot his video for that many years ago. And uh, we went to the same father's rights meetings. But no, I was, uh, my, the whole point for my website was to try to expose everything. There's nothing, like I said, I'm not a lawyer. I went to paralegal school and I could, you know, maybe give some people some pointers, but the main thing the, the solutions are all on my website, exileparents.org, what we need. A lot of people would want to uh, think we need more legislation, like uh, even something I would disagree with. David Knight was was trying to get equal, or at least years ago, he was trying to do the uh, uh, parents' right amendment to the Constitution. And I don't think that's the right way to go because an amendment, the, the courts, they ignore the Constitution as it is, okay? If you put an amendment up there, uh, the, the, if, if they ignore the Bill of Rights, they're not going to pay any attention to <laughs> a new amendment, right? That's why I, right. I look at it. What we need is less laws. We need to nullify uh, all the, the, the state legislation that pretends to give judges the discretion to decide uh, between two equally fit parents, which which one is better, right? I mean, that's just blatantly unconstitutional, and that's what happened to me. Yeah, so and, that, and that's, I, I think that it's, 
I think the essential point is that these uh, you, you talk about it is anti-family because the I, I, to me if you're if you're taking this thing to court, I think every judge should look at okay the best interest of everyone if you have children, especially if you have small children, is to keep the family together. So that would be the first thing. So I I think there should be more like a <clears throat> mediation type uh, things in court instead of trying to determine uh, you know who's who's at fault. And of course, as you noted, and that happened in your case, a, a woman especially can make it's very easy to make an allegation of abuse. And how do you you know it, it's hard it's very hard to disprove that. And a lot of times it's just complete. It's that's a deal killer. Okay, well you know she charged you with the abuse so you can't see your kids. And I think that's, it's destructive because a judge, but as you mentioned, it is anti-family and this is clear. And this happens in the, in, I've interviewed several people on the show that uh, had their children stolen by child protective services. And in those cases, almost all the time, the mother and father are together. They had them stolen. Either they, they weren't vaccinated right. or their political reasons or whatever. Just so some neighbor saw one of the kids and said they looked emaciated and, they looked undernourished and they, they called the child protective services and they, when they come in, they're definitely anti-family. They're not interested. They, they want those kids and whether, whether the rumors about child sex trafficking are are tied to them or true or not, they clearly do not want to keep families intact. But you saw that in the court. You, you mentioned how you tried to, uh, you, you never even got a full court hearing and you, you tried to introduce things to talk a little bit about, cause you can see Sam Bodistree said his kids are in your late thirties. What happened? You have to go back. So briefly describe, you don't have to go into, you know, <clears throat> all the gory details, but briefly describe how you got to that point where your, your marriage broke up basically over, uh, basically over the fact I, I, I read it as you, you weren't making enough money because of an injury. And uh, apparently that was, uh, you know, what, caused her to want to break it up. I really don't want to get into uh, the details of, uh, you know, particulars of my case to protect my privacy and my kids' privacy. I just want to focus on what happened in the courts as far as, um, you know, you can have a mountain of evidence, but it's like they have a predetermined decision. Like in my case, it was just like, uh, she was going to get custody, no matter what I said, no matter what I did. The judge even admitted, yeah, in my appeal hearing, that uh, there's no reason uh, for this father not to have un- uh, unsupervised visitation. I mean, that you know that was a big deal just to get unsupervised visitation. See, first they take everything away from me. They gave me supervised visitation every two weeks for like four hours on Saturday, four hours on Sunday. And that's, you know, I had been the prime caretaker because I was a stay-at-home dad due to my injury, right? So, you know, the judge said, he said uh, there's no reason for him not to have unsupervised visitation. I was I was trying to get equal shared custody. And he's talking about visitation even then, right? So it's like they keep you, you know, like you're like a, an alien, uh, a, a refugee, where they treat fathers, the way they treated me. I mean, it happens to mothers too. I'm, I'm not at all um, gender biased one way or the other because I've talked to lots of mothers too who had the same thing happen to them. But uh, yeah, okay. And, and then in the hearings, the biggest problem is trying to get um, recording 
devices in the courtrooms. Okay, I had to, I, I've been in hearings where uh, I, I requested to have a, a, uh, an audio recorder. Judge says, what do you need that for? Duh, okay, it's my hearing, right? I mean, how can you have a, a way to appeal if you don't have a recording, right? And uh, so the main, the main things we need in these family courts, I've been harping on this for years in many of my YouTube videos, we need cameras in the courtrooms, right? I think all courtrooms, it's like we're living in the dark ages. Uh, we might as well go to court on a horse and buggy because that's how we are. We, we're not dealing with modern technology in the courtrooms. Every courtroom in this country should be on the internet. You should be able to dial into it, get the website, and they should be alive all the time, right? That's the biggest problem I see. Certainly uh, well, when you have these the suspicions. Jur that, also, we need, we, we need um, jury trials. There's no jury trials in family courts, you know, much less the other courts. Mm -hmm. Same thing, pretty much. Uh, that's the main thing we need, jury trials and cameras in courtrooms. So that's what was missing in my case. And that's why I didn't get a fair hearing. I couldn't, I, I was destitute financially. I couldn't even afford transcripts. And and you had the you had the same problem that so many people have, and I pointed out in Survival of the Riches, is that when you don't have money, you can't get any legal representation. So you were, I, I believe right. you were dependent on a, a, a public defender. And as I've pointed out many times, the average, they tell you, not me, they tell you that the average public defender spends about five minutes with his client uh, and they, they, they just don't do much. And, and maybe it's a little different. That's, that's criminal cases. I don't know if they, if they spent more time with you, but certainly I think if you had had a, uh, it's why you see, for instance, a lot of the times when the fathers do retain custody, uh, they tend to do that when they're wealthy and they can hire really great attorneys. That's right. Yeah. yeah. You either have to be really well connected or uh, deep pockets, have deep pockets. Another thing I wanted to say is um, this: we should have the same the same standard of proof in these family courts as we do for criminal courts. I mean, if you're accused of abusing a child or abusing your spouse, that is a criminal matter. But yet, I mean, okay, in my case, my criminal uh, thing was dis dismissed. That case was dismissed. Uh, but they use it against you in the in the uh, so-called civil courts, the family courts. And but, you know, you should have there should be jury trials and you should have the same stand. I mean, you, you, the question of your custody shouldn't even be an issue unless you've been convicted of a crime in criminal court by a jury. Right. So if you haven't been shown to be an unfit parent. There's no reason for you to even be in family court, right? Yeah. It's all pretend. It's, it's a ruse. Uh, oh, actually, and, and you some some of the problem I know in your case was, uh, <clears throat> Sam Bodie's Street raised this point about uh, he was driving my sister and she didn't get shit from her ex, didn't want to put him in jail. My parents raised the kids, but yeah, if the money man, you're screwed. Um, I have a friend that... Uh, his, I think his wife is making 90 some thousand dollars a year. He's making $15 an hour or something. And yet they are coming after him 
for child support. And you see that all the time where even when the woman is making more than the man, which is very common these days, they still try to take. Uh, and if you don't, they can come out to you. And I had, you know, uh, somebody in my family where they garnished his wages. They came out. I don't know if they tried to do that to you, but if, if you won't pay it, sometimes they'll do that. But oh, yeah. It seems yeah. to me they look at the economics of the situation, How, especially if the mother has the financial wherewithal. It's wonderful that the father should try to support and be in the light, but you just look at it economically. Is this feasible? How much does he have to pay for rent? How much does he have to pay to live? Can he really afford an extra $200 a month? And that's, I'm sure you ran into that yourself, and I'm sure that's a common problem with a lot of these fathers. Right. Okay. What happens is... I mean, they, they, they've got to, one parent has to, they have to get one parent's sole custody or majority custody so they can have the child support, so-called child support thing. Right. I don't call it child support. It's extortion. I was supporting my kids, right? I was, I was a stay-at-home dad taking care of them and paying what I could at that time being injured. But so if, if you're... Unequal custody is what drives the whole industry, right? If you're supporting your child and then they take your custody away and then try to put a so-called child support on you, yeah. well, that, no, if they take your custody, if, if, if the court, somebody steals your kid, it's like kidnapping. If a kidnapper takes your kids, they have a duty to support the child, right? Okay, otherwise yeah. they're going to be, okay, well, it's the same thing with these, these courts. Uh, I shouldn't even have to pay a dime of child support. I did, and I was taken to jail when I didn't pay it. Right. But uh, you know, I call it's extortion. It's not child. It's it's only child support if you were a, a, a dad who wasn't supporting his kids, who tried to avoid it, and they had to drag you maybe into family. That might be one reason to have a family court, right? For yeah. parents who aren't willing to pay. But I was paying, and I was you know. I was Mr. Mom, and I was supporting my kids with what I was getting at a reduced salary. Well, just so. in, uh, my friend Karen Carpenter, <clears throat> uh, excuse me, is talking said she didn't want to drag her daughter through court, but she did deserve some help. There's, and this is the problem: the, the, the judges. We ought to look at them as wise people. They're judges, right? Uh, not yeah. just arbitrarily decide who's right and who's wrong. They ought to look at these cases. You know, we're not, these are not criminal defense cases. These are cases, family court. They should look at, okay, what is best? They should be wise Aristotle types, you know, uh, Socrates, where they right. they come up and say the Solomon, where they decide, right. okay, well, this in this case, we can't really demand child support from this guy because he doesn't make very much money. The father should be in their life. That should always be the case, unless you've proven, okay, you're really a danger to your child, yeah. where you, you there are visible injuries on him, and the child has said, you know, daddy tries to set me on fire or some, something horrible like that, or sexual abuse or something like that. Uh, but in the case where it's he said, she said, and there's no evidence, then the idea would be, look, okay, well, you don't have to, you don't have to live together. We can't make you do that, but. You need to try to work together for the betterment of the children, but it doesn't seem like any court does that. Have you have you ever heard a judge that that, that comes out with say, "Let's do what's in the best interest of the children"? Because it doesn't seem to me like the parents living apart and bickering with each other, and one of them trying to get money out of the other one. I don't think that's in the best interest of the children. Of course, no. It's all uh, all it is is a system to perpetuate litigation. That's what I've I've been convinced of. Uh, for 
many years. I mean, my case started in 1989, and I've seen, I've been paying attention to it up until recently for, you know, 30 plus years. And I'm just convinced it's a, it's a divorce industry, a, a family destruction industry. Yeah. Whether or not they intentionally are trying to destroy families as, uh, as per, uh, you know, the, the uh, great reset and communism philosophy that to try to destroy the family. But the, I think it's mainly money driven. The, uh, yeah. the judges are attorneys and they may well have been in family law before they got on the bench. Um, and I think it's just the whole point is just to perpetuate litigation. I mean, they, they make an un, unequal custody order and the desperate parents, they're, they, you know, they're grasping at straws to try to get their kids back. And uh, so they'll go out. Yeah, they'll spend all the money they have to get their kids back. And the courts know that. The, the, all the attorneys know that. And that's it just goes on and on. Uh, yeah, so. and we, we're getting lots of comments. because Dawn Lambert, I, I feel sorry for you, dear. Uh, she raised her daughter and got $40 a month until she got hit by a car and lost her to grandma. I'm not sure why you lost your child because you got hit by a car, but I, I, it doesn't sound like a nice situation, Dawn. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. I hope I hope you're able to still be in contact with your daughter. Uh, we have uh, now what says the judge said with me, do you want me to take it out of X's paycheck? And I said, no, the X was already down. I didn't need to kick further. Well, that's, that's your, your, you have more empathy than most people do. Um, I'm looking at, uh, there's another one here. Stephanie, <coughs> Stephanie green, um, said my father owed six years of child support for me, but my mom had to kiss it goodbye to get house in her name. My father said I wasn't worth his money anyway. And of course you, and yet it's terrible. I'm sorry to hear that Stephanie, but you, you do get that. This is not always a, uh, <coughs> excuse me, a black and white situation where, uh, there are some there are some real deadbeat dads, and of course, unfortunately, that term has been popularized now to anyone. Whether it's in your situation where you just didn't have enough money, how could you pay support? And plus, you were being denied, you know, seeing your kids. And a lot, I think, a lot of fathers, rightfully, understandably, get angry and say, "Well, you know, you're not letting me see my kids, so I'm not going to give you any." And and even even when they have the money, a lot of them say that now, but. But if you don't have them, I don't see how anybody can get, you can't get blood out of a turnip. But apparently they, they tried to do that with you. Absolutely. Yeah, they did. Uh, and again, it, it's it's not support. It's extortion. I was supporting my kids. Uh, this is like the myth that they create that, you know, it's just when you get divorced, they presume that one parent's going to get sole custody, or at least it has been over the, over the years. And it should never be that way. If if two parents, if both parents are fit, they've not been convicted of any crime against the spouse or, or uh, convicted of child abuse or neglect or abandonment, then they should have equal custody. Child support should not be an issue unless they agree to it. Uh, they come to some agreement, but... Yeah, it's, well, there's the, the, a lot of nightmare stories out there, and as Stephanie says, her like her, her father was had a, obviously had a good job, so he could have afforded it. And uh, you know, there was there. Uh, I mean, I had in my old neighborhood uh, <clears throat> when we were living in townhouses, there was uh, uh, these uh, darling twin girls that uh, were there, and I felt so sorry for them. They're a little bit older than my son, but they used to, you know, they were they were 
starving for a male role model because their father was out of the picture and he was apparently a deadbeat dad that wouldn't pay. And the mother, anyhow, the, the mother ended up getting dying in a, uh, a car accident. And I, I remember they came over to our house and were, were, you know, wanted my son to have one of their toys. And it was just heartbreaking. But it turns out later they actually somehow, one of them became a lawyer. They had a, a real success story. But their father suddenly came back in the picture because he knew their mother was an airline uh, stewardess. Uh, or I don't know what you call them that. We used to call them stewardesses. And uh, they have a great insurance policy. So if they die accidentally, they knew those, she, he knew those kids were making a lot of money. So he suddenly shows back up again. So you have, you have that as well. So it's a mess, but I think it's, I, I don't know. I've been married for 38 years. So what do I know? I, and I, you know, the, the Catholic in me is very, uh, when we were married, uh, the priest you impressed it upon my wife was not a Catholic that, you know, we gave examples. Okay. What, what will cause you to get divorced? And he went through lots of situations and, uh, and you come to realize, well, you know, if you really love each other, uh, it, it, it's going to have to be something really exceptional, but it just seems in your case, certainly. And in most cases, it seems like, uh, people get divorced way too easily. And, uh, but you know, obviously it's a 50% divorce rate for, uh, well, for a reason. I've, I've been married to my, my current wife for 30 years now. And I'm like you, I believe, uh, I'm a Christian. I believe in marriage. Oh, great. Great. And, uh, but as I don't want to get into the, the, uh, the reasons for my divorce, but whatever the reasons were, uh, I didn't need to be divorced from my kids. Right. Right. And that's what they do. Um, I don't even believe in, uh, there's a lot of people think we should bring back fault divorce, but that might, you know, solve the issues. I don't think so. I mean, I think the state should have nothing to do with, uh, with marriages period. Yeah. Uh, there's, you shouldn't have to get a license to get married. That's, that's, that's absurd. I mean, what do I have to get a license to be your friend, Don? I mean, <laughs> yeah. well, yeah, should be a friend to anybody else. I mean, the, yeah. the state yeah. has, state has no business being involved with marriages. Now, dealing with families is a little different because they do have to deal with like adoptions, things like that. And if if a, if a, if parents, if two people have a child and there's a problem with supporting a child, that might be a, a legal, a, a valid justification for the family court, right? But marriage is irrelevant, should be irrelevant there. The point is, it's a biological situation. You get to, and, and, you know, unless there's an adoption issue. But for a biological situation, the only thing the court should be doing is making sure that the child has access to both parents if they're right. equally fit. Yeah. And that, that way, child support is not an issue. Right? If they're well, both like, supporting, they're, 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 they're decent people, they're supporting their kids, they want to support their kids. Why should the court be involved? That was my situation. Oh, the statistics are very clear that society should be, uh, <clears throat> but we know, I mean, these are the larger issues and you obviously know that too, that the, the, our society is anti-family. There's a efforts on to destroy the nuclear family. Everything about this culture does that. But <clears throat> if they were interested in the children and in the welfare of children and the family, then they would uh, encourage 
marriages to stay together because uh, all the statistics show, I think the in, people in prison, the, 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 the number of prisoners that came from broken homes, the, 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 the percentages are out through the roof. Absolutely. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's right. through the and same thing with drug abuse and addicts, things like that. Troubled kids. I mean, it's just, uh, you have a much better chance of, of having a successful child and a happy child uh, if, if you stay together. So, uh, and Karen Carpenter says well, we're married for 60 years. Wow. Well, congratulations to them. Yeah. The thing is the, the biggest disin disincentive to divorce would be the courts doing their job and enforcing the right to be a parent. Uh, there's, there's countless uh, federal case law on this. Uh, that, you, know, you have a right, you have a constitutional right to be a parent period. It's a God given fundamental right. I'm so hearing some, a, I'm hearing a little rattling on your end. Is there something you're there's a, Oh, I'm sorry. I might have been playing with the something on the table. Sorry about that. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, somebody was, that's a go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the the courts if they if they did their job and enforced uh, the right to be a parent, that would be the biggest disincentive we could have to the divorce rate. You see now it's a racket. Um the, the unequal custody orders are what drive the divorce industry. That's my opinion. Uh, sure. You know, I don't have. Don Lambert has uh, Karen, 65 years. Incredible. So Sam Bodistree said, uh, oh, wait a minute. Hold on a second. So you were like 30 when you lost all the kids and the mother and the courts brainwashed the kids to hate. Them. Okay. I get it now. So ba basically it, it seems like, and it's a shame that you uh, <clears throat> you can't. And I'm, I'm going to do a show about. Uh, it's a little related to this. I'm I'm trying to get more people on board for it. And I asked for volunteers on social media, and a couple of people have gotten in touch with me. But I want to have a roundtable discussion of uh, alienation between adult children and parents. It's a huge problem, and uh, it's not your case. Is a little different, Mark, because uh, it sprang from the divorce. But in some case, like I have a friend, a dear friend, who's uh, her, all three of her adult daughters uh, just abandoned her and her husband. And they don't know why. And she's heartbroken. She hasn't talked to them in like five years. And uh, it's terrible. You know, she doesn't know why. They won't, re they won't respond to her. And there's lots of people out there like that. They don't understand it. So uh, you're not alone in that situation. And again, it's, but it's, well, again, it gets part of the anti-family thing. They're pushing this stuff constantly the propaganda coming out of hollywood and every everything we see and hear is that uh you know the family's no big deal you don't have to get along you know there's your parents are kind of you know they're when they get old and everything you just roll your eyes at them oh they're just gonna second guess me and tell me what i'm doing is wrong or whatever and, and why should i bother them that's why we have so many people elderly people that have to uh live their final days in these horrible nursing homes because the parent, the yeah. kids don't tear it. But that's a little off the subject. I'm sorry, but I, <clears throat> I want no, this. Okay. Um, you're right. Um, and I don't want to make it sound like I don't care about my kids. I mean, I, of course I'm, I'm heartbroken, but uh, my heart has mended over the years and I've had to like, uh, you know, compartmentalize that in my mind, the whole thing with that. And I, I look at myself as like, I mean, you know, it, if, a, if a father goes off to fight in a war, and he's uh, he, he's he's killed. Um, you know, it's kind of like that. I mean, I'm a casualty of the the war on families. Look at myself like that. Now, I wasn't killed. I survived. But and, and I did all I could to try to 
do what I could for my kids to make contact with them. My door is always open. And um, I did a lot for them. I bought them cars when they, when they you know, when they, uh, when they could drive. And that was only because my inheritance, right? But um, they're adults. My door is always open to them. I, would, I, I have grandkids. Each of, each of my three children now have their own kids. I've never met them. I don't know how many grandkids they've got. Uh, and that would be nice, you know, because uh, my wife, sure. my current wife, she's got a huge family, uh, uh, all kinds of grandkids, great grandkids. So, yeah, it'd be nice <laughs> to have a relationship with my family, right? Of course. Uh, but I'm not going to let it bother me. It, it's, it's up to them. They're adults. They're nearly 40 years old. Uh, it, it's And I, I leave it up to them. I try to contact them when I can. I don't even, my younger daughter, I don't even know, ever, I have no, I don't have her email address, any contact info for her. I can't even try to contact her. Okay. Uh, part of the problem with her, see that my, my, uh, my son and daughter, those are the twins. They are both uh, military families and they, we had big debates about the, the wars that they went to fight. I tried to, Try to talk my son about out of going out of uh, going into the Marine Corps when he did, uh, even though I was a Marine. And, yeah. Uh, because uh, I knew he'd have to go to Iraq or Afghanistan, and he did. Uh, and I think that's a big part of the reason. You know, the last time we, one of the last times we we spoke, he said he doesn't agree with my politics. So that's part of the reason. Right. So I think the uh, yeah. my my anti-war stance and um, it's probably the biggest part of it for them, the young, the two younger kids. And, and that's uh, we, we're obviously we're seeing, especially in the age of Trump, this is this is common. I have uh, cousins who uh, one, one of them voted for Donald Trump and uh, they haven't spoken since. Uh, I mean, just, you know, it's, just, it's it's as simple as that. I mean, it's, it's amazing to me that you can just kind of cavalierly break off. And certainly with the vaccinated stuff, I've talked about how my, my kids and I are the only ones in my very large family who aren't vaccinated. And we were we weren't allowed to go to my niece's wedding last year. And uh, we, I mean, we could have, but we would have had to get vaccinated and we obviously weren't going to do that. So that relationship's been fractured. I have other people because of the way what I write about my book the masking the truth about COVID, my statements, uh, I'm a black sheep in my family. So I understand that. That's a, it's, it, it's, it's, it's very sad because it's yeah. a politics. So you didn't used to have this. I don't, I doubt very seriously that in the 1950s, there were, there were many families that broke up because one of them voted for Eisenhower and one of them voted for Adlai Stevenson. I just, I just right. don't think you saw that happening back then. Yeah. Well, we never, I don't think we ever had a president do what Trump did to us either in March 2020. I mean, that was probably the most outrageous thing that right, the but, president but, has ever done. Well, absolutely. And, but you, you know, that's again, because of, uh, but the, the breakdown on Trump though, is that he's perceived by the people who have Trump derangement syndrome, which is a real thing. He's perceived as being on the side of the people that were skeptical about COVID. That's what the millions that hate him actually think, yeah. oh, yeah, he wasn't wearing his mask and all that stuff. And they, I mean, he's claiming credit for the vaccine and they still, even though they love the vaccine, they still hate him. So it's, it's a, it's a very, uh, 
bizarre situation. And I'm, I'm you know, I'm sure. Well, well, how about the people who hate the vaccine, but they still love Trump? That's what gets me. I, I, I blows my yeah. mind. And I, my emails I send out, so how can you possibly support this guy? I voted for him twice, but by, by uh, the end of uh, 2020, I mean, I was, I lost all love for Trump. I mean, I was there at the, on uh, right. January 6th and I recorded all that. It was a, Amazing. You, you you were you were there in Washington? Absolutely. I was there oh. video recording everything. I've got video of showing the, you know, hundreds of thousands or a million people there on uh, I think it's on my bitch you channel, Mark Young 12. But uh yeah, I was there uh, to record it and just you know, because I live in Arlington, so even though I wasn't supporting Trump, I went to just to cover the, the event. And I would I went to I used to do demonstrations at the Capitol, right? The West mm -hmm. Lawn, uh, for parents' rights. So on Mother's Day, Father's Day, Parents' Day. I uh, did that for many years. The last one I think was 2018. But uh, you know that I saw the the West Lawn of the Capitol getting more and more boxed in and off limits to Americans, right? right. Even though that's our front lawn, right? right. Well, look at look at the, the idea of, of January six, and if you if you watch my show, like last week, I had uh, Ashley Babbitt's mother on again. That's the second time I've had her on, and I had another. Yeah, I, I didn't miss it. Yeah, and uh, so we've certainly done a lot of uh, shows trying to talk about this. So I, but I'm interested. Are you are you scared you're going to be that you're going to be prosecuted at some point? Because according to Ashley's mom, uh, Mickey, they're they're still going after people and trying to find anybody that was hey. there and charge them with something. It's possible, you know, but hey, I've been in jail before. I know what it's like. I'm not scared. Um, I was there. I got, I, even though, well, I, I was down by the uh, the road at the, the bottom of the front lawn, right? Where the, I guess it's First Street. And I had my bicycle with me and uh, a motorcycle cop was there. And I, I looked at him. I said, can I go up, up the walkway? And he, he motioned me on. Right. Oh yeah, they were doing a lot so, of motioning people. Yeah, in, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, come on in, use the bathroom or whatever. Yeah, right? Sure. Yeah. Wave. Yeah. How, how, how do you prosecute somebody for going inside when the policeman is waving you in? <laughs> exactly. But uh, no, I went up. I was. I, I went up and uh, I was near where the scaffolding is. But once I got, it was windy and I got hit with pepper spray or whatever it was, tear gas, tear gas, and I said, "I'm out of here." You know. So I didn't. I was. I was not there to be violent. I was there to do what I had done many years, uh, be a, be a, have a peaceful First Amendment demonstration. And I didn't know this thing was going to blow up. It was blowing my mind to see these guys up on the way up on the tower, motioning people, let's go in there, let's go attack them, you know? Yeah. All those people who did that, I hope they get prosecuted. I really do. I mean, that was, that was just totally anti-First Amendment, what they were doing. First Amendment is about peaceful assembly. And that's what I was there for. I wanted to see like a, a situation where we could just, you know, maybe march around the whole Capitol, have tens of thousands, of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, a million people marching around the Capitol. Kind of like yeah. happened you know, in the Bible. When, when you get 
Unfortunately, when you get to undercover operators there, and you, I'm sure there were plenty there. Exactly. All you need there is a few, few people to, to light the fuse, and then people follow. They had to be agents provocateurs. These people were just going crazy trying to get people to, you know, do, charge. Do you think, charge. Do you think uh, that if you hadn't been hit with the pepper spray, do you think you might have been coerced to go inside with the rest of them? No. No. Okay, that's good. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have. Although you could be like Owen Schroyer and others. I mean, Owen Schroyer was, uh, was 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 videotaped telling people not to go inside, and he still spent 47 days in jail, which is just uh, mind-boggling. And then you have uh, Enrico Terrio or whatever they got, the, the Hispanic head of the white supremacist Proud Boys, very strange leader of the Proud Boys, but uh, he, was, uh, he wasn't even in Washington, D.C., and he got 22 years. That's just, I, I mean, everybody should be. Yeah, I think the whole thing was a setup. I think, like I said, that West Lawn has always been wide open. They rarely would have it fenced off or anything, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You could go up there uh, on a nice afternoon and just have a picnic or whatever. I have just a nice meeting place. But over the years, especially during Obama administration, it got more and more. They were fencing it off for this reason. For that reason, uh, working on the grass or whatever these alleged reasons they have. And, uh, but I think what happened on January 6th is they put up these barricades, and that's what really pissed people off. It pissed me off, right? Um, and th that's that really instigated people to, uh, sure. to get violent. Well, the, they, the, they provoked. They provoked. Well, the we know now the police were or the police were were firing. Uh, they fired some kind of gas and rubber bullets into the crowd. Right. That's what I. That's yeah. what they Told me. They Eventually, I was out of there by then. But yeah, that's that's what happened. Uh, so you didn't you didn't see uh, when when you were there, no one had even gone in the Capitol yet. No, no, I was I had left a long time before all that happened. I just, uh, I went and shot, I walked around the Capitol, went to the front side, the east side, and just shot video, just recording the, uh, all the little signs they had on the, the, the fencing around the Capitol. It says, I forget exactly what it said, but keep off. Um, I forget what it said, but it was really kind of telling of what's happened to our, our country. Right. It's like, yeah. keep out, keep out. You know, you're not well, welcome I, here. I don't I don't understand the idea that they or I don't understand much of it at all. But the guy I had on my show last week, um, Stephen uh, Goodwin, uh, he was inside the Capitol for 36 seconds. And uh, and he was, of course, he was there was a cop. There were cops right there when he walked by them. And uh, I, I don't understand how you can be charged. First of all, it's a, it's a federal building. Your tax dollars pay for it. This is the people's building. It's oh, usually right. open. I don't. I don't understand why. Especially if you have, to me, even looking just just looking at it the way they're looking at it. Let's let's laughably say this was an insurrection. If that's the case, then and you have videotape of police officers waiting people in. Don't they become accessories after the fact? Why aren't they being identified and prosecuted? Because they aided and abetted the insurrection, didn't they? But instead, they're just they're right. ignoring the video. The whole thing is just outrageous. It's uh, a Stalinist. Uh, it's it, it's a it's the whole the whole thing's a big hoax to 
try to guilt trip the people who came to D.C. on January 6th. Right. right. Well, we're, and, we're just, and they're trying to say, stay away from D.C. We don't want you hundreds of thousands of people to ever come back to D.C. No, no. They're trying to scare, scare people away from D.C. Right. Well, and, and this is this is why people I mean, I, I'm asked all the time, what are you doing? Well, I've made myself unemployable by my books and my Substack and my shows. I mean, no one's ever going to hire me. I'm a, a thought criminal. I have the lowest uh, social credit score probably that you can find if we yeah. if they, they institute that. But that's all I can do. I'm not going to, I live like you, I don't live far from Washington, DC. I'm not going to go there for anything because I know that you're not going to have a large enough crowd. And the one time they did have a large enough crowd to matter was January 6th. And look what happened. So the people that might be willing to go and, and lawfully assemble, peacefully yeah. assemble, which is their constitutional right. We're all scared to do that now because we saw exactly. what happened, how they treated the jets. And so it's a, it's a catch 22 because you yeah. really have to do something to try to stop this tyranny, but I don't know what you do. Well, I look at DC as occupied territory. It's like under siege. It's, it's a fascist uh, takeover. And um, you know, unless you have a job there on Capitol Hill, uh, you probably fear being arrested if you were there on January 6th. Sure, sure. I mean, I, yeah. I, you know, my, I mean, there was a possibility that uh, my son and I had talked about going, and uh, but you know, something to, yeah, you know, and I have an alibi. I was in a dentist chair, although I maybe there is no alibi at this point because it's just you know, if you if you're if you're not even in the city like uh, the Enrique guy, uh, and you get twenty two years, which is more than a lot of murders. Uh, you know, yeah. that's just it's very. Uh, Oh, I agree with with David Knight now that basically there's no reason to go to D.C. You shouldn't go to D.C. because no. we should. It's like we got to stick on the local level. Try to, yes. Yes. We just got to say no. Um, if they try to make us do stuff like they did three years ago. Yeah. No, just got everybody's got to learn how to say no and get get hip to what's going on. Yeah, exactly. So. And, and we have to. Uh... Again, I'm hearing that noise again. Is that, you, that you're typing on a keyboard, or oh, I, I'm sorry, I keep playing with the table. Sorry yeah, yeah, that. that's that's just, it's uh, <clears throat> but um, yeah, that's the uh, we need to do something local, but and you you live close to as I do to uh, Loudoun County, Virginia, which is uh, the mm -hmm. was the epicenter of the school board protests. Now I don't know, I haven't I haven't studied it enough to know, but it doesn't look to me like. Uh, much change came about there. And that was my hope that maybe we can make some change at that level. Because if we can't change things at the school board level, it's over because that that's, you know, that's a local and it doesn't look like they have, as far as I know, they're still pushing the same nonsense with the transgender and the critical race theory. And uh, they, they, the guy that had his uh, daughter was raped in a bathroom in a Loudoun yeah. County school by a trans, a transgender guy who had yeah. the equipment to still rape her. And uh, they did nothing. And he, the guy brought it up to the school board and he, they had the police officers attack him and beat him. And this was the father of the guy, a daughter that was raped. So you talk about the family courts. That's where the situation we're in now, where our you know, people that are, are supposed to represent uh, our children, the, the school board officials. And this kid, this girl was raped in a bathroom because of their crazy woke politics and the father rightfully is, you know, outraged about it. And instead of being sympathetic to him and understanding him, they sick their, their, their cops on him. 
I mean, this is my, and that, as I understand it, that kid that raped the girl went on and was just transferred to another school like uh, a priest would be, I guess, if he, uh, you know, messed with the altar boys, he, he, take him to another parish. They sent him to another school where he raped another girl the same way in the bathroom. And so I, I don't have much confidence because if we can't change at that level, I don't know what hope we have. So what's your thought on that? Well, I think the, uh, all the gender confusion is just part of the, uh, desire to destroy the family. They want the state to be the parent, right? And that's, so it all plays into the same thing. Uh, you get the kids confused about um, their gender from, a, you know, kindergarten age or whatever. You know, that's just, that's blatant child abuse right there, first of all, uh, to be playing with a kid's mind like that at that young age. And yeah, so this has, I, to, I, this has it has to be part of a bigger agenda to just destroy the family. Um, homosexuality and the gender confusion is all, it, it's all, whether it's intended or not, the, the result is, is going to be this more destruction of families. And families are the basis of society. It's God's institution, the family. And, and I... I you know, it's I a spiritual war. It's a spiritual war. It, and that's this is the whole definitely spiritual. Yes. Gender confusion is all part of that. This um, is definitely a spiritual battle. I say that all the time. And and uh if you were if you were getting married today, uh I, I just imagine because the way your wife sounded, it could I mean I, I'm guessing maybe there might have been some clashes over this kind of stuff. If your kids were going, I know if my kids were going to school, my kids are younger than yours, but not that much younger, and uh if they were going to the school today and uh, they were teaching them critical race theory, if, they, if I, if I, my little white child was going to kindergarten and they were poisoning her, abusing them and that's emotional abuse, Absolutely. traumatizing them by telling them there's something wrong with them because of, of their skin color or something they should feel guilty about. That's, that's horrible. And, and that's, I don't understand how the white parents today can sit there and allow that happen. And instead you get one lone wolf typically that'll speak out like that guy whose daughter had, had to be raped, I guess, for him to really get incensed. And what happens? The other parents sit on their hands. They allow the cops to, you know, to beat him and take him away. I mean, every parent in that room should have been up in arms when the cops came after him. But instead, right. and that's what I try to say all the time is we can in any, even in a courtroom situation, I mean, I don't know Let's let's say, and the judges are really you know, they lord it over like they're, and that's why people rise like a priest. You know, when you come in, they lord right. the judge. But yeah, it's all ridiculous. But if you had enough people, if when the one of the judge let's let's say one of the judges, uh, when they come up with a really bad decision, which they do quite often, if you had everyone in the courtroom, you know, if a bunch of them became indignant and started shouting at once and stood up and started approaching the bench, they, he doesn't have an army there. There's nothing he could do. And I don't think that the, maybe the couple armed guards they had in there would be able that's what we need. We need to have people outraged together, but we don't, no one stands up for, they're all too scared. And we have to, you know, either as Benjamin Franklin said, you know, a long time ago at the time of the revolution, we have to hang together or we hang separately. That's the situation yeah. we're in. Yeah, one of the chorus to one of my songs called uh, COVID Slaves is they, they keep you afraid to keep you a slave, right? And that's the thing. People are, are so mesmerized and we're being more and more uh, becoming authoritarians in that the people are the authoritarians and that they, they, 
it's like like you say, it's like they, they treat the state or officials or people up on high benches as priests. And you know, that, that authority figure, they they can't break the trance from having to, you know, submit submit to this figure. Now, I'm not I'm not advocating any kind of violence. We need to just peacefully no. say no to all right. their their BS. And, and that's uh, and that's 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 why the civil rights movement was now you can argue they had obviously some powers were behind the civil rights movement maybe but uh, the reason it was successful is because the nonviolent form of protest which Henry David Thoreau is the one who originated it. he never gets credit for it but he did and yeah. uh, Mahatma Gandhi used it to great effectiveness and so did Martin Luther right. King so you don't have to be violent but you in our case we have such an advantage in numbers. We could, we could just, but I, but again, I, I can't say too much because January 6th, it was a huge advantage in numbers that day. And they, those so-called insurrectionists were not armed. I don't care what they try to claim were, were weapons. There wasn't right. a single gun amongst them. What kind of, what kind of people go, what, who goes to an insurrection without bringing any guns? I mean, that's ridiculous. They were there. They were there for a peaceful protest. Absolutely. Yeah. It was, uh, I've been to DC for lots of big events like that. And this was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. I mean, it was just, it was mind blowing, the amount of people there, uh, peaceful, peacefully. And uh, if you were there, you know, that's the case. So uh, for our Congress creators to try to paint a different picture and, you know, call it an insurrection. No, there were, there were insurrectionists there. There were agents provocateurs there. Yeah. instigating all the violence and some of the people uh, who wouldn't otherwise who would have otherwise been peaceful were probably goaded on by those agents provocateurs right? sure I wouldn't have been one of them because I I, I I recognize the trap I might be listening to David Knight and he was right uh, yeah. you know he even recommended not to go but I, I live right next to DC. So it's easy for me. I'm used to going over it to record events and for demonstrations or whatnot. But yeah, uh, yeah it, it was a, it was really a beautiful thing until I saw all this nonsense starting. Uh, these people high up on these towers saying, oh, let's go get them. Let's go get them. That's, Unbelievable. That's, man. That's, so many people have said they were there. It was a wonderful day and everybody was getting along and uh, it was a yeah. sense of camaraderie and uh, in no and, sense was there planned like overthrow of the government or something, but they there was a, a, a common belief that obviously there had been some kind of fraud going on, and they wanted to express their their, their outrage at it. Yeah, that's why I was there. I mean, I, I believe there was election fraud, and uh, I mean, I felt I had a duty. I, I swore an oath as a Marine to to the Constitution, and I've been fighting for it ever since domestically. And so, you know, when something like this happens and I feel it's my duty to go there, I'll go. But uh, I'm sorry, I lose my train of thought. No, no, it's a, and I, uh, I start to get emotional and my, I can, I can my, brain, my brain turns off. Well, I can't ar I can't argue too much with any word. He says family shit sucks. This is going to be the year for independent people to thrive. And it's 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 it's. It's terrible to think that, but really, I mean, I, I talk about how uh, I've got a big family, but, you know, other than my wife and kids, 
I really, no one is interested in what I do at all, but it's, it's thanks to everybody, uh, the people in the chat room here that I, I see every week and come to know his names and people that contact me and email me all over the world. I mean, just this last week, I had somebody in Brazil that contacted me and said he has all my stuff and he loves me and somebody in Thailand and South Africa. So it's great to know that there are people out there and they've become my family in the case of, you know, th these are the people that uh, are, are concerned about the things that, that I yeah. am and appreciate what I'm trying to do because sometimes you do feel like a lone wolf crying in the wilderness, but you can see people I'm putting some of the comments on the, on the, uh, on the screen here. Just there's so yeah, many there's, people. There's, there's not too many of us, uh, people who are awake and know what's going on. Uh, I could use, I, I would like to be part of a bigger family too. That's one reason I came on here. Yeah. To, uh, you know, if people want to contact me, I mean, I, I've, I tried to get people to, during the, the COVID thing, I would meet people. I've got all these, my, my uh, I have a high roof Nissan van that I put posters on. Uh, you yeah. know, get, I sent you some pictures of that. I don't know if you can. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought, uh, but, I might be able to. Let me see if I can hold on. I was trying to wake up my neighborhood and uh, I had, I go to the gym. I got, I got to remind you about the keyboard again. I'm sorry. It's, it's, oh. just, it's, it's just hearing it. Sorry. Or whatever. Terrible you're I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. I'm a drummer, so I keep. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, I can see. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, uh, but I would go and, and get people would come up to me. They'd see my posters and talk about what, you know, the craziness of all the COVID stuff. And I would get their contact information, put them on my email list, but I never hear from them, you know? And, mm -hmm. and I, I, for years, I've, I've put ads in the paper to try to get other musicians to uh, play my music. <laughs> and they're all political songs. Nobody wants to do that. So, I'm kind of screwed as far as being a musician, uh, as far as financially. So uh, everything's free. My, all my my songs are free on my my markyoungguitar.com. So okay, I'm I'm sitting to see but, uh, if we can see. Can can you guys see that? That's that's now what is that we're looking at? That's your that's your car. Can you see that mark on the screen? That's not mine. Okay, well that's your okay. Let me see that. Okay, I get okay. I see. Wait a minute. You okay, might this have is to, it. Uh, okay, let's see if I have to uh, it's, it's, just scroll over. I think. You have to reduce it somehow. Yeah, okay. All right, I, I don't know. That's probably beyond me. Okay, sorry. But, um, yeah, it was too, too bad. I, yeah, I don't have to scroll that, across. That poster, there, right, that, that poster there says, don't be a sheep. It's got, I got that poster from off of InfoWars. Uh, it's got a bunch of sheep with masks on their face, right? And I say, don't be a yeah. sheep. Think for yourself. Yeah. A huge poster. Well, yeah, stuff well what do you think said. about Alex Jones these days? Does definitely doesn't agree with you about Trump. He's he's uh, he's I think yeah supporting Trump I, to a fault. <laughs> I uh, you know I, I watched Alex from about 2006 religiously. Him and David Knight and yeah um, when he I was he got on the the Trump bandwagon early on. And yes, I was scratching my head about that, kind of like David Knight yeah. was. And uh, but then, you know, we kind of all every four years we get screwed. But they, we get a candidate like even you know, now. Now it's RFK Jr. coming yeah. on and telling a lot of things we want to hear. Right. A lot right. of things about about the vaccines and all. But yet on some of the issues, Second Amendment, he said he'd, he'd uh, do an assault. He'd sign an assault weapon ban. Um, that's other right. things that, that I've got problems with him on other things. Every four years, we get a candidate 
telling us a bunch of stuff we want to hear. And that's what happened with Trump, right? Yeah. And uh, so I voted for him. Twice I voted Me for too. him. Me too. He, yeah. he, he did a bunch of good stuff. Uh, yeah. But what he did in March 2020, to me, canceled all that out. I mean, yeah. it's just, he did a total 180, man. And he became like, a, well, I don't I know what happened to him. If he got uh, blackmailed into doing something or what. But well, he I, just I think that, went off the rails. I call it the Trumpenstein project, but I but I think because I, I I think he was in on it all the time, and he fooled. He had some revolutionary rhetoric, and I I've yeah. told this story before. But Roger Stone, uh, who wound up writing the forward to my best my still my biggest selling book by far, Hidden History, uh, he contacted me. I wasn't even sure who he was. He really hadn't. I knew he was associated with Nixon in some way, but he came and told me how much he loved the book, and we had a, a couple phone conversations. And uh, Trump was just getting ready to announce, I think, for president. He was telling me how great Trump was. And he said, you're going to love this guy. He knows about all the conspiracies. I mean, he's he's really in your... And I'm thinking, could, could that possibly be possible? And main then, thing I, main he, thing I liked about him is he exposed fake news, or he, he appeared to be, right? Yeah, he appeared to... Well, yeah, and that's that's probably his enduring legacy is getting people to say fake news and, and distrust the... Uh, the media, uh, that, so that's that's one good thing, I guess. But right. but, but uh, which which still is the biggest problem we have, the information the information war. Um, right, and says yeah. re remember the Ron Paul revolution. I mean, certainly he was. Uh, and Ron Paul wrote the uh, the forward to my book, Crimes and Cover Ups in American Politics, 1976, So I've been very fortunate to have my hero, uh, one of my heroes, do that. But I think that uh, Trump. He was, he was, just, he was talking, especially in something like immigration. But look at the issue of immigration. That's the reason I voted for Trump in 2016. I said I don't, yeah. I don't care about anything else he does because I, I don't know what he's going to really do. But immigration is a huge issue with me, and no one had been talking about it for a long time. And this guy was saying, you know, all the right stuff. And I said, wow, if he just, if he actually deports millions, which needs to be done, if he actually did that. Uh, no matter what else he does, he's the best president since JFK. So that's what I was talking. It was so disappointing that he ended up uh, doing nothing that he claimed he was going to do. And you notice now he doesn't even talk about immigration. It's not his. It's not his. I don't know what he talks about now because I don't listen to him. But yeah, me neither. Uh, it's you know, and I don't know what he can talk about other than okay, he can criticize Joe Biden, and Joe Biden's easy to criticize. Uh, well, what he didn't do is bring the troops home and put them on the border. Instead, he built, started to build a stupid wall. I, I yes. I, I, so I simple. Yeah. You know, if only, I mean, if that's, what the, that's what the troops are for. If they're, if they're exact, they can serve a constitutional purpose in <laughs> defending <absolutely>. the border. <laughs> yeah. Because we are under attack. Instead, they're over worrying about the borders of uh, all these other countries. So we're definitely uh, on the same page there. But the problem is I think that uh, as you said, that th this is this is the choice they give you. They give you uh, they they give you an alternative yeah. person, and uh, Trump is still the biggest name out there in terms of. And there he has, I mean, whatever support RFK Jr. has, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, who says a lot of good things too. Uh, whatever support these guys have, uh, Trump is still the number one choice of you know probably the vast majority of people who voted for him. And he's he's lost a lot of people. I don't know how many. But he, there's still probably a good 50, 60 million people that support him. And uh, they, I think they look at it like he's he's the opposition. They have nowhere else to go. And 
Right. I, I, and it's amazing when I, I had Ashley Babbitt's mom on my show and bless her heart. I love her, but she still supports Trump. And I, I don't understand that. And, uh, you know, Joe Biggs, when he was going to prison for 17 years, uh, he was asked, you know, he, he's confident that Trump will pardon him. I'm not. I wouldn't be confident. And, uh, you know, uh, it's that that would happen. But he still has such loyalty that he doesn't deserve. And I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure what, you know, people have to look, I think, beyond politics and realize that there are no answers in Washington, D.C. But uh, so what, what do you, I mean, what is your activism uh, concentrating on now? What are, what are you trying to do with your, whatever well, you're Main thing I do is just try to uh, stay afloat financially uh, with my electrical contracting business, uh, which was hurt somewhat by the COVID thing because I refused to wear a mask and uh, people would kick me out of the house because <laughs> I wouldn't wear a mask. And I they I got some bad reviews. But I use I use those. I replied wasn't to those. wearing a mask. Yeah, I replied to those reviews with links to all my information about the harm that masks do. Right. So, uh, hey, I'm not going to you know, just go just to, for my own business, go along with the, the nonsense. I'm sorry. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, um, well, that's true. And, but what, what I my main thing now is just trying to stay afloat financially with my business. It was hurt a good, good bit. I mean, my income was like cut in half thanks to Trump, Fauci and all the lockdown nonsense. Of, not just, not just with the mask, I don't think, but uh, just in general, the economy. Well, sure, they've they've uh, and and uh, John Bassett loan says there's you know it's, it's Hobson's choice. In either words, you don't have no choice, and that's true. You don't have a choice, and that's that's terrifying. To re- and most people, more people realize that than ever, but uh, still, they're uh, they they continue to go for. I mean, the fact that you know somebody like a Nikki Haley. Can have anyone supporting her? This is somebody who's, you know, the ultimate neo, kind of a female, cuter John McCain, uh, you know, that is, is just, you know, dressed up and wants, you know, wants to go to war with everybody, finish him off and all this stuff, and uh, and wants everybody identified on the internet. I mean, she, what, what is she right. offering that anybody would be attracted to? And yet we're told she's surging, and we know that's BS, but the problem is once they say, once the media tells the, the, the sheeple, enough times that, hey, this is the candidate that's surging, then they yeah. actually get some support. <laughs> people say, well, we, she's a winner. I like the cut of her jib. Uh, but John Lambert says, you keep that. but, you know, I don't know how long you've been at this, Mark, but I've heard this about every election going back to when Bill Clinton was president, that the election's going to be canceled and all this. I, I, you know, I don't, I, no, I think control I the election. So. I, don't, I, I don't think. Yeah, they it's, all, it's, 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 a, it's a big production. That's all it is. It's a uh, theater political theater and uh, they're going to have the candidates they want up there and they're, they're not going to be up there unless they support the wars and unless they're Zionists right. and uh, support, you know, what's going on in Israel. Yeah, uh, exactly. So the, the one candidate, I forget, what's the other Indian guy's name who was Vivek Ramaswamy. Yeah. No, 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 not Vivek. The other guy who invented the email, I forget his name. David had him on the show. Before. Shiva, Shiva. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shiva, I, I can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That guy. Uh, he might be. I mean, I don't know a whole lot about him, but I like what he was saying about all the other candidates. He was, you know, 
Yeah, he's uh, calling them. The, the, they're all part of the swarm, is what he. The, the Doctor Shiva, yeah, yeah, yeah. Doctor Shiva, the swarm. Yeah. All the candidates are part of the swarm, right? They uh, the, the fake news media, the fake yeah. debates that they never talk about real issues. All they do is you know harp at each other. I haven't watched debates, so I can't really say. I don't watch any of that crap, and that's why I don't, you know. Well, I, I tell you, I, I, you know, and people say, and I, I, I get, you know, I get crushes on these people. It's ridiculous. Where I, I still get sick. Yeah. But uh, Vivek, I, I, he, he sounds great, and I, I, you know, he was being interviewed by Alex Jones, right? He was, yeah, he was interviewing Alex Jones, and uh, during the interview, I see on a bookshelf there in his studio, he's got a copy of my book, Hidden History. And I thought, I thought, you know, uh, I never sent him a copy of my book. And I was thinking, how, I, how, however it happened, my book is sitting on his bookshelf. Mm -hmm. And I, how can I not like that? I don't know. To me, he's got to have some kind of uh, something real about him. Mm -hmm. If he if he knew about my book and is actually reading it. I, but I, I don't know. Roger Stone loved my book, too. So, you know, but a lot of people have, have questions about him. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, so, so anyway, so what? So uh, where? So what? You're uh, obviously you're not going to vote again. It doesn't sound like, and uh, I I don't know if I do. Please stop me, audience, from voting again. But because I, I I've, yeah, I've been right. doing, and I, I and I know what I'm doing. It. It's stupid, and uh, I I just you you know when my kids were real little, I would uh, bring them with me just because I wanted to set an example of uh, you know. This is what you're supposed to do, even though I knew the candidates were horrible. I mean, I was always voting for, you know, in, in many cases, I had to vote for the Lyndon LaRouche candidate or the Green Party or something because I, I couldn't possibly vote for one of the main party candidates. And Trump was the first candidate uh, in my life that I voted for that, I, you know, in 2016, I thought, well, wow, this is somebody I can vote for that has a chance to win. And he actually won. You know, my candidates don't usually win. And uh, so uh, at this point, I don't know who there is to vote for. Everything we're doing is, is, is if we are, and we have to be confident that our vote's being counted and nobody can be confident of that. So again, I don't know why I'm doing it. I'm thinking, what, what am I doing trudging to the polls? I mean, they're, they're not going to count the votes. I mean, this is ridiculous. We, we have massive fraud here and they won't even acknowledge it. Right. Uh, I mean, I had hopes for RFK Jr., Early on, but then when I when I started to see his uh, stances, I was kind of like Gerald Salente. But then when he oh. and I found out Gerald had got his money back that he gave. Oh, or did it? Did he? Well, I mean, yeah. it, well, I mean, the main thing with him to me is, uh, I mean, I never thought I'd live to see a candidate that was, let alone a Kennedy, that was. Uh, I can always count on on John Lawler to com uh, compliment my shirt. Thank you, John. <laughs> but uh, they. So I think RFK is, he's trying to play the middle, right? Is it doesn't want to offend let people on the left or the right. So he's like, he, he's afraid to commit. He's, uh, there's, there was an article actually by John Rappaport this morning oh, about John RFK. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, I didn't read the whole thing, but he's saying that, uh, you know, he's blowing it because he's, he's, he's kind of, you know, pussyfooting around on the main issues. Yeah. Um, and uh, well, he, he he's great. He, he, uh, yeah, uh, John was saying that if he just stuck to vaccines and that, if he just harped on that, that would be his ticket. But he's yeah. not. He, he's, he's talking yeah. about going off on other issues. 
and pussyfooting around with them instead no, of really it, and, taking and, a stand, taking a firm stand on everything. Right. And I, I never, I never thought as a, you know, guy, I got my start uh, working as a teenage volunteer with Mark Lane in the, in the mid 1970s or citizens committee of inquiry, uh, JFK assassination is my wheelhouse issue. So I'm I a know. candidate. I'm a candidate. Yeah. So, you know, I never thought in the world that I'd see a Kennedy family member running and publicly saying the government killed his father and, and his uncle. That's going to attract my attention. He says great stuff about yeah. vaccines. He said great things about uh, many things about our foreign policy, but then he comes out with this stance on Israel. And again, it, it's not that that would be a hundred percent deal breaker if he just wasn't so over the top about it, but he's just waving the Israeli flag and he's saying Palestinians have never been mistreated. And I think he called them the most, uh, what did he say? The most coddled group in the world or something. It's like, what What are you talking about? The, the is the uh, high ranking Israel Israeli official has called, uh, Gaza, the largest open air prison, uh, an open air concentration camp. So, I mean, I, I don't get that. So it's uh, that really, and people know, I don't, I don't talk about RFK Jr. anymore because I can't after that on his stance on Israel is, is frankly ridiculous. Right. Yeah. I think the whole thing, the, uh, most Christians are misled to support Israel. Uh, they think that, uh, they're misled by pastors, uh, Yes. Chuck Baldwin had a great, he, he's been talking about this, telling the truth about what's going on over there, uh, about Zionism, what it's all about. And the thing is, the, the, uh, the thing about Zionism is that Christians believe the temple is going to be rebuilt. They're going to bring back, the, I guess, the animal sacrifice system, mm -hmm. which is what the temple was for. And uh, among the, well, it was a dwelling place of God, but... And that was pretty important, but it was also where you go to get forgiveness for sins. You'd sacrifice an animal. Anyway, the whole purpose for the temple was superseded by, by Jesus. When he died on the cross, the, the, according to the Bible, the, the veil of the temple was ripped in two. And that made the temple obsolete. Now Jesus is our temple. And the, those who are Christians, I, I don't know if you want to. Go get into religion or all, but uh, yeah. Yeah. but that but that that's what it is. It's a spiritual war, and people have been misled. To, if they understood what Zionism is about, yes, it's just really a relatively new uh, thing. It hasn't all throughout the centuries. Wow. Yeah, it wasn't there, and uh, it, it's probably basically as a basis for having our Israel as our military base in the Middle East to control resources. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's that's really what's going on there. Well, and, I mean, when you, when you can't when you can't stand, I mean, again, I, I, I'm not there. So I'm skeptical about anything that is reported is going on in any other country. But it certainly looks like there's a history. We know that Rachel Corey was a young American girl that was killed by uh, Israeli defense forces, run over with a, by a military bulldozer. Oh, yeah. uh, when she was trying to, uh, you know, protest the, them bulldozing houses and America did nothing. There wasn't a peep of protest anywhere. And, you know, if any other country in the world had done that, uh, I think there would have been outrage. But the idea that they I don't know how you can look at that situation. And I, I'm I think we should stay out of it. I, I think we should be I, I'm an isolationist in terms of the way we should conduct our foreign policy. But I think if you if you're asked to comment on something like that. I don't know how you can 
the first thing I think you should say is this is how does this affect America? This is how does America does America have anything to do with this? No, it's not. It's not in America's interest to even get involved there at all. I, I'm not saying we should go to war for the Palestinians, but we ought to be able to recognize who the underdog is there and who the aggressor is. The, the underdog is are the people who had their land stolen back in 1948 uh, and, and weren't, weren't compensated for it. And ever since then, they've been expanding their boundaries and pushing them further and further out and saying, you don't belong here. They lived there before. Uh, right. Something's wrong with that. And that's, again, until we, until we come around to, to understanding that, uh, but we, we, very few people are doing that. And it's, it's, I don't, I don't see how you can continue to support that kind of, so you, we, I pulled plug on Israel, you know, at this point they're, uh, <clears throat> they're you're getting they're close to 80 years old and uh you know it, it's time you flew the uh you know the american taxpayers nest i think you're on your right. uss liberty right. man, I, absolutely talk about whether or not whether or not israel has a right to exist that's not for me to decide but i shouldn't have my tax right. dollars yes. shouldn't have to go over there and none, nobody's 3.8 billion dollars right. or something a year and uh yeah. for what i mean we're a country founded on the First Amendment, uh, religious freedom, and here we are with Britain uh, after World War One, or was it World War One? No, World War Two. Excuse me. Uh, founding this this religious state of Israel. Yeah. When and uh, I'm not at all. I'm. I, I. My first job was for Jews. I've got nothing against Jews at, at all. I love everybody, but. Uh, <clears throat> I don't see the point of, of that state even being there, much less we propping them up with $3.8 billion a year. Right. Yeah. We're, um, we're, we're, we, we, without us, they wouldn't exist. I don't know what kind of industry Israel has on their own, but we built them into the third most powerful military in the world. They're the size of Rhode Island. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. If, if left to their own devices, they would have been – you know, evolutionists out there, the survival of the fittest, they would have been taken over and destroyed a long time ago by the very angry Arabs who uh, didn't want them there and, and resent them being artificially uh, created there. But I, I, I just think at this point, it's it's ridiculous for us to continue to, especially if they're, if what they're doing to the Palestinians, 20,000 plus killed or whatever, bombing hospitals, if, if that's, if that's remotely true, what are we doing on that side? I mean, what, how, how do we say we're for freedom and we're the moral compass of the world when we're supporting that? Yeah, it's crazy. Um, yeah, we, uh, we create enemies so we can go to war and then we can make up excuses about what we're fighting for. That's a lyric to one of my songs. Uh, but, I mean, getting back to RFK, you know, I, I had, like I said, I had hopes for him, but... <clears throat> He's my. I've I've been writing a. Every four years, I'll put a. a I, I did this when I had a Facebook account. I put a thing up for, called candidate disqualifications. The things that, that I don't like about the candidates, right? For, for me, how they're disqualified, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. But all the ones that I have listed here, they're all Zionist imperialists. They all support the military-industrial complex, or they wouldn't be. In the in the mainstream media, right? Right. But my other problems with Kennedy, uh, he's okay with big government, uh, as a, he's got a history of being a Democrat, so of that, yeah. that kind of follows. <clears throat> yeah. Instead, instead of getting rid of unconstitutional agencies, he wants to restore them to their proper role. 
and not not follow the Tenth Amendment by letting the states do that for which the federal government has no authority. Uh, This means he goes against his uh, civil liberty statement on his website. Uh, It says he doesn't want to hold our own officials above the law. Right. Well, he he's uh, yeah. So, I mean, if he if he's going to support the existing agencies and try to restore them that those that shouldn't exist, then <coughs> then that's not restoring a proper role. They have no proper role. People in those agencies, uh, Department of Education, um, you know, name one, name one. Most of the agencies in D.C. Well, they're all shouldn't exist. Of course not. And and that's why it's it's hard to be a but if you're gonna Yeah, it's gonna be hard to run for for president if you're if you're gonna talk like that. You you probably wouldn't even be allowed on on the on the platform, right? So Yeah, no, exactly. And you we saw what uh going back to Reagan, you know, I I covered this in my book Hidden History that uh Reagan was a big government cutter. Well, in fact, he didn't cut any government agency. He didn't even cut a single sub-agency in eight years in office. He did nothing. Uh, right. he, he raised taxes on everyone except the very wealthy. He slashed their taxes dramatically. Uh, he didn't do what he what he is perceived as having done. He did not cut down the size of government. And the same thing with Trump when he came in. He didn't do any of the things he said he was going to do. He, didn't, he deported fewer illegal immigrants than Obama. That's hard to do. And uh, he didn't, again, he didn't uh, cut, he didn't really promise to cut down the size of government, but he, uh, he didn't, he wasn't an antidote to the Democrats. But I, I just, at this point, I try to, as a populist, I go outside the left-right paradigm. So it's not big government. It's what we're, we're right now we're paying. We pay for a socialist nanny uh, cradle to grave state. We, we pay enough taxes to have that. We, we pay enough taxes to have what France has. Now, there's some right. good things about a system like that. If you have a baby in France, you get, I think, both the mother and father get a year off with pay. You have people that come and, and deliver diapers to you and help you with the laundry and stuff if you're you know, a new mother. I'm not saying we should do that, but their money goes. And when, when my friend Cynthia McKinney, the former congresswoman, when she was driving across France a few years ago, she very publicly made a, a, a big point of the fact that she'd driven across the breadth of the entire country. And she hadn't seen a single pothole. So the infrastructure mm-hmm. in those countries are, you know, you see the money going somewhere. Here in America, our infrastructure hasn't been touched in 60 years. Uh, yeah. we, 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 don't, we don't have any, the benefits are horrible. People talk about Medicare. And I, I need to stress more how bad Medicare is. <clears throat> Medicare is a system where you pay into the, your, entire, your entire life. It's your own money. You get, finally get it back. But you're still, I think it's up to $160, $170 a month now. You have to pay every month still for that. And it only covers 80% of your medical expenses. So it's created a whole new burgeoning sub-industry of supplemental insurance to cover the difference. That's a horrible deal. That's, again, that's not, and it's not really, they. that's our money that's extorted over the course of a lifetime. Same thing with Social Security. We get it back depending on how long we live. We get some of it back. But in, in Social Security, I'm still figuring out that or not. But as I understand it, you can uh, – and thank, thanks to Ronald Reagan. It happened during the big tax cutter, Ronald Reagan. If you make a certain amount, and it's not very much money, if you make – you know, after you start collecting Social Security, if you make income outside of it up to a certain amount, then you're they start taking like $1 they, – they start taxing your Social Security payment at like a 50% rate. It's your own money. 
I mean, this, so that's we we are we pay yeah. for a socialist state, and we get this laissez-faire libertarian thing in terms of benefits that we get. And uh, that's my argument: is that we can't, you know, we, we don't see any results. Our taxes, we, we'd be much better off not paying any. If we paid no taxes and had no services, we'd be much better off. I think. At this point, I'm with the anarchists. Yeah, me too. Uh, you know, if we had a free market system and we're paying all those tax dollars to uh, to D.C., we might be able to, say, have our own individual retirement accounts, the economy. We could build our own houses, uh, afford houses. Uh, if we get rid of the Federal Reserve, if they wouldn't be stealing our money. Absolutely. Uh, you know, there's so many ways that this country is not being allowed to flourish like that. And that's what we need to focus on. Uh, we're just, it's, it's economic depression by design ever since the creation of the Federal Reserve and probably before that, even when, when Lincoln started the income tax. Maybe yeah. that's where it all started. I don't know. But uh, yeah, certainly. Lincoln was, Lincoln said so many of these, uh, Make sure you live in. Okay, I to, uh, now what? Tell me about that. Make sure you live in at least in a state that does not tax. I don't know that there is a state. What tax? What state is that? Uh, I thought this was, that was a uh, a federal I, law. I'm not sure uh, about that. I'm hearing that noise again. Sorry to keep bugging you about it. It's happening. Yeah, it's happening because I, I thought the mic is coming through. Is it louder when I talk in this? Maybe it's using the computer as a mic. I no, guess. Okay. it's like it's somehow it's picking up your uh, tapping the keyboard or whatever you're doing. It must be using the computer. It's... Yeah, yeah. Sorry. But, uh, no, no problem. But um, so that's why I think we had to look at it like that. It's 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 you know we we could uh, I would prefer that we had a, a smaller gun. But what, what do you do though about the fact that we built up, even though we don't really pay for it? Although apparently, if you're an illegal immigrant, you get for everything. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know. It's hard to imagine it is, but that's what the claim is, uh, which again, makes no sense whatsoever. But what do you do about the state we've built up where you have so many people, uh, so many uh, with the increasing number of uh, mental and emotional problems, physical disabilities, that people can't pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. What do you do? They have to have a safety net, right? How, how do you, and it seems like they've tried to cut a lot of that safety net away and they give it nonsensically to people like illegal immigrants who shouldn't be here who entered illegally, but instead of our own poor people. Well, I think the reason, yeah, I understand the reason to help people out. I've been in my, in my youth, I had to collect uh, unemployment, my, my travels, stuff like that. And, but that was before I knew better. I mean, I, uh, but the thing we've, we've gone so far down the road to dependency on the government that we've, we've lost the road that the Constitution was supposed to put us on, right? As far as keeping the uh, put the the, the, uh, the federal government in its box that our founders intended, it's so far out of the box now that it's like uh, it's Pandora's box, and it's 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 out of control. It's been out of control for at least a hundred years with the income tax and the the Federal Reserve. Uh, but yeah, I, how do we get back to that road that we're supposed to be on? That, yeah. what, what would the founding fathers think if they, oh, if they were alive today? Can you imagine? They just, I mean, uh, the 
the idea, and, and again, when you mentioned about the troops at the border, it's ironic when in the Federal Reserve, while the government, the federal government has taken over in so many areas where it's unconstitutional, they're, they're not supposed to be involved in so much of this. Uh, they're not supposed to be involved in very many things at all. But a couple of the functions they do have uh, is Congress has the authority to regulate money and to coin money and regulate the value thereof. And they've given that over to a private corporation, the Federal Reserve. Yeah, right. And, and uh, you also have uh, we're supposed to. Uh, the military is supposed to, we're supposed to enforce border rules. We're supposed to guard. If you don't have a sovereign nation, if you don't have borders, uh, we don't have borders. Uh, yeah. So you mentioned Trump, but there's a, where we stay, troops stationed in 150 countries around the world. And you can't figure out a way to bring a fraction of those troops home and line them on the border. Problem is solved. You don't need a wall. You put armed troops on the border. The immigration problem is solved tomorrow, but they don't want it solved, obviously. Of course, no. They want to bring in more Democrat voters. So, yeah, there, there's. I mean, that's. There's no question about that. And whether you know whether people, people who will vote against their own best interests, they'll they'll go along with the the, the welfare state as opposed to being becoming independent Americans like they're supposed to be, like our founders intended us to be. Be of independent. Course. Be independent. Self reliant. We can't do that now because the economy is so screwed up. Uh, it's it, people are so hard up, and the COVID thing just multiplied that. You know, the lockdown. Yeah, that's and all, it just, oh, that's that's made our job a lot harder because we, you know, we yeah. when we uh, when we uh, I call it the greatest psyop in the history of the world. But I mean, the entire people still you know, everything we talk about JFK assassination, nine eleven, you know, whatever the biggest false flags you want to talk about. Um, nothing compares to what happened with COVID. The entire world, this was a worldwide phenomenon. Absolutely. Yes, was it shut, shut down in a couple days, and they didn't need yeah. a single troop. They didn't need a single cop. Not a shot was fired. Everybody rolled over and played dead. It's Everybody. all mind, mind control, just a yeah. big mind game. It's, yeah, all it's, the it's psychological warfare. No, From the beginning, you talk about that border. Here you're being told there's a devastating pandemic it's a deadly plague out there, and politics doesn't stop. You don't close down the southern border. So right then, I didn't need to know anything else to know this is all bullshit. The border's right. not being shut down, so you're not you're not trying to seal the borders and control who's coming in and out. Yet you're telling me this is a devastating a, a pandemic. A sh small businesses have to be shut down. We have to have curfews. They have to wear these stupid masks and social distancing. Uh, we can't see our loved ones in nursing homes. We can't say goodbye to them. They can't see little babies and all this stuff because people don't have weddings. All the stuff we allowed to happen. But that border remained wide open. That You don't have to know anything else to know uh, right. that, 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 that right there gives the lie to all this. And nobody... Nobody commented on it. It's like, you know, pol politics, same thing when we had the uh, uh, the Black Lives Matters uh, uh, demonstrations during the summer, the George Floyd's funeral and the, the, the guy, John, with black guy in Congress that died, all those things. Uh, there were no, there was no social distancing. There were the rules, but but Trump, the, there was a truck, trucker rally that was supposed to be uh, uh, sympathetic to Trump. And, oh, that was a super spreader. Every Trump rally was a super spreader, but... Black Lives Matter wasn't. I mean, politics didn't stop. So you had Mayor de Blasio in New York going to the lengths of saying he banned all demonstrations except for Black Lives Matter. I mean, what? Yeah. How, how can people be so stupid? 
to sit there and think, well, this is about a disease. A disease doesn't play politics, but that's where we're at. I know you've written a lot and talked about a lot about COVID. Yeah, I've got uh, links to hundreds of articles and videos on my issuesoutline.org website, uh, hashtag COVID-19 fraud. You go there, you'll see links to hundreds of, of videos about it. Um, I've got sections there on uh, uh, medical tyranny exposed, crimes against humanity demands Nuremberg 2.0, uh, defending against forced inoculation, how to defend against it, um, enhancing your immune system and natural treatments, uh, independent real news sources. Uh, I've got a, a section to know your rights or you have no rights. Got a section on masks and testing, the fake tests, uh, the purposes of the fake pandemic, and then the section on shedding by vaxxers. And then, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, the whole thing, to me, the whole thing was a, uh, it was a kind of a psychological, well, it was kind of like a spiritual IQ test to me. It's good it, to show, it, it, shows, it shows the extent to which people have been mesmerized by fake yeah. news. Uh, CNN, uh, MSNBC, you know, the ones, uh, ABC, NBC, the whole sure. alphabet soup. Sure. Well, yeah, yeah, the and, idea, and, and my, my book on this, Masking the Truth, is uh, the most shadow banned book in the world. And uh, they... I can't get any traction. That includes even an alt meet. I was I was on um, uh, Harrison Smith's show uh, for Infowars, the the uh, uh, the American Journal, once. But uh, I can't, you know, I can't get the big names in the alternative world to pay attention to my book. And it's the book they should be looking for because everything, all the statistics are there, all the reasons why this is the greatest psyop in the history of the world. But they're not interested in that, and that's. Part of the problem is they don't they don't promote it. We don't promote each other, and we're not we're not uh, we don't prevent present a unified front. And we're much easier to uh, to the establishment because we the establishment is unified against us. I can tell you that. Yeah, I wrote a song about the, the fake news called "Weapons of Distraction" several years ago. I can read some of the lyrics if you want. Sure, sure. Uh, so I'm tired of all the circus. Two years before selection. A phony campaign process orchestrated misdirection. I'm tired of being poisoned. Chemtrails paint the sky. They fluoridate our water to make us dumb and pacified. Weapons of distraction from mass dissatisfaction. For their treason and inaction, we need some satisfaction. I'm tired of the deceptions, fake news, entertaining. They're pissing on us daily and telling us it's raining. With social engineering, manufacturing consent, if you reject manipulation, they want to jail you for dissent. Back to the chorus, weapons of distraction. Okay, well, next good. verse. They, they divide and conquer us and stir up racial hatred, diverting our attentions to maintain our enslavement. They control the media, decide what to show you, pretty faces, fancy graphics to hypnotize and mesmerize you. ABC, CBS, CNN, NBC, NPR, Fox, MSNPC. They spin or mix the truth, the truth with poison or lie by countless omissions. You got to break out of their matrix. Take control of what you see. 
Turn off the prostitutes that binds you because only truth can set you free. And then back to the course. Uh, weapons well, of destruction. Well, that, very good. I mean, and, and give, give the website. People can hear that online, right? Where, where can they go to hear those yeah. songs? MarkYoungGuitar.com. Mark good. Young, spelled out one word, Mark Young, two Gs, guitar.com. Well, very good. We need and, to. Those are, those are nice lyrics. And and we, all, we all the lyrics are there. Um, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm looking at the, the chat here. and uh, We have several songs about family court tyranny, too, on there. Well, that's obviously, and that's the, uh, well, you know, we. Uh, we got a dozen songs. In there. It, it, it's hard even, you know, coming up with uh, topics for my show every week because there's so much. There, there's so much tyranny to choose from. Where do we go? Right, right. And that's why I, I try to uh, to focus uh, more on situations like yours because a lot of people, don't, even in the alt media, uh, people I hear from, I hear their stories. Or, you know, I, I know your story. And I hear I hear people tell me stories all the time about uh, just the injustice that they suffered, you know, at the hands of uh, law enforcement or and or the courts, and whether it's family courts or uh, I, I had a mother on uh, my show that uh, whose, whose son was clearly railroaded and, and sent to prison, I think for life for murder. He clearly didn't kill the guy. There's no question about it. But uh, there's nothing she could do, except you know, go on a show like mine. I don't know what. Uh, I don't know if you saw this week, they had a guy uh, last week, they had a, uh, and he was a black guy. And a lot of times they are black uh, that was released from prison after almost 50 years. He served, I think it's a record setter. So we're, you know, number one, we broke the record. Uh, it was finally proven DNA evidence would have proved he didn't rape or kill or whatever. And uh, I think they gave him a hundred thousand dollars or something ridiculous like that. But uh, where was Al Sharpton? Where was the Congressional Black Caucus? There was not a peep out of the usual suspects who want to make everything a racial thing. Why weren't they talking about this black man that was kept in prison? Where was the, the racist system then that kept this guy behind bars that railroaded him, framed him, and, and, and sent him to prison for almost 50 years? And, I mean, there are lots of – we hear lots of the 20, 30 years. I can't think of a greater crime than that. Yeah, you know, I, I think the state of Virginia owes me probably a million dollars for just the total of nine months I spent in prison for nothing. You know, just yeah. as basic, basically civil disobedience to extortion orders. Yeah, uh, well, that's it. Yeah, they, they really, let's start a reparations campaign. How, yeah, how could you Rep possibly make up to that guy for 50 years? That's just... Oh, no, man. it's impossible. And that's there's... Outrageous. And, and there's, uh, I'm looking at see. Deborah Wheeler, great friend of the show, Deborah Wheeler. She's a wonderful supporter, Deborah. I can't, uh, I can't thank you enough for all you do. And I hope you, I hope you had a great Christmas and I hope you all have a, uh, a great new year. But, uh, I'm looking at some of the, uh, you know, lots of people have stories to tell, you know, in the chat room here. But so we're, um, as we've got a little over, 10 minutes left. What, what did you, what do you want to, did you want to talk about at the, the time we have left? I didn't want to miss anything. Well, Is your chance to talk about what you want to talk about? Uh, most everything I want to say is on my websites and in my music. Uh, I'm not, I don't have the gift of gabs. As you, as you can tell, you got to drag the words out of me. <laughs> uh, I apologize for that. Um, but uh, it's hard to get me on a roll, but uh yeah, I could read more lyrics from my songs if you want. <laughs> well, let's. Let, I mean, let's. Um, do, do you have a like a um, 
of, of the people that you heard from, you know, when you started the, uh, the family courts, uh, the, the parents' rights site, uh, what, what, what were, can you think of one or two stories that were, that touched you the most, that were maybe the most outrageous example of injustice? Uh, more outrageous than mine. Yeah, well, yeah, no, or, no, on, a, no. on, a, on a part, well, you, obviously you're going to feel yours, but I mean, or on exactly. a part. Exactly. It's, like, yeah. it's like I said, Don, it's it's hard for me to, I'd have to meditate for a while to come up with that. I just, I like, I put that off, I compartmentalize that or just tune it out from, from my consciousness today. I'm more focused on the things on my, my issuesoutline.org website, what's going on with the COVID the war against humanity, man. I mean, mm -hmm, uh, that's why, you know, I, I hesitated to come up and talk about family stuff on here because I think we should be talking about uh, this this war on us. What, what's the point of having a family if they're killing us all, slow killing us right? with all the COVID stuff, the, bio, you know, biowarfare, fluoride in the water, chemtrails dropping poison on us, but they, they, that could be part of the whole bioweapon thing. Maybe that's why people yeah. got sick. Uh, yeah. If you listen to Dane Wigington, he mentions that, that they could be dropping uh, some kind of bioweapon from the skies or something that's making people sick. How did so many people get sick? Or did they really? Or was it just, was COVID just another name for the flu that we have every year? I mean, there's so many mysteries, oh, that, but we know they're trying to kill us. We know, we know they want to right. take down the population of the planet. And that's what right. the, the Great Reset is all about. That's what Bill Gates is all about. Um, Absolutely. So. No, that, and that's exactly right. This is the, these. That's what, I, I, for me to even go think about, try to think about somebody's divorce case, I just, I don't want to go there. You know what I mean? I, I've got, there, there's some stories up on my website, or you can go to my YouTube channel. You can see hundreds of videos. But I, I haven't I, I haven't looked at them in years, and I don't really want to think about that. Because what's your what's important. your what's your YouTube channel? It's at Mark Young Twelve on YouTube, on BitChute, and on uh, uh, Brighteon. Same thing, Mark Young Twelve. Just Mark Young. You're, you're still on. You're still on YouTube. Yeah, I don't post on there anymore. But my uh, I haven't. I never went commercial, and uh, I've got hundreds of videos up there. Uh, with the recordings I did of different victims. But, you know, I, whereas I am an empathetic person, I don't go back and dwell on those cases. I don't con I don't focus on family law because I think there's more. We got bigger priorities we need to deal with, things that David Knight talks about every day. And, and uh, you know, the, the, there's a war against humanity and people got to figure that out. No, oh, absolutely. This is the, there's definitely. Yeah. I'm not saying you shouldn't. Yeah, family law is a big part of it. That's just one tree in the forest. Yeah, this is the system it, is is rigged it, from top to bottom. It's good that you're talking about it, and and I God bless you, Don, for for having me on here. Well, no, it, 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 it's but, my pleasure. But it's, but it's hard for me to go there. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Gotcha. You know, if you want to know what's going on with the family courts, look at the lyrics. If you don't want to listen to my music, if you can't stand. It. Read the lyrics because they they basically boil down what's happening there, and uh, especially the one I one of the first ones I wrote, "Twisted Fate." That's kind of about my own case, if if there is one that talks about my case. But uh, 
So yeah, is, that, is, that, is, that, is that cathartic for you at this point where you can, you can go take your guitar and play it and write songs? Oh, that absolutely. It was, it. man. If it wasn't for that, um, I probably would have, I might've blown my brains out years ago, but that's, uh, I, I had those, those songs wrote me, you know what I mean? It's like, they just came through me. They just poured out those lyrics and uh, I'm, I'm fairly decent guitarist. So I, uh, I just figured I, I needed to use my talents, my, the gifts that God gave me to. Well, you wait. You, you have to shed light on this. You have your guitar handy there. You want to play us one now before you, before we we've got we got uh, a few minutes left. It's up to you if you feel like it. Not really. No. Okay. Still listen <laughs> to my music. Okay. I'm kind of. I haven't eaten dinner yet. I'm kind of uh, shaky, so I haven't eaten much today. I understand. Well, we'll we'll let you we'll let you get, give out your websites again. I'll let you go a few minutes yeah, early. It's, uh, it's uh, exiledparents.org, issuesoutline.org. That's issuesoutline.org, one word. And markyoungguitar.com, all spelled out, one word, no spaces. Well, fantastic. I, I, we appreciate the work you're doing. I wish you the best of luck in terms of... Uh, uh, your own situation, and uh, I hope maybe you can reconcile with your kids at some point. Maybe they'll have an epiphany, and and uh, you never know. Hopefully that, but, and certainly we got to kind of stay sane in the world. I wish you all the best. I thank you for coming on the show. Mark Long, take care. Young. Young. I, I'm a Mark Long guy. Mark Long was my old boss. I'm sorry. <laughs> Mark Young. I'm sorry about that. Mark Young, yeah. thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks a lot, Don. God bless all you do. God bless you, too. Thank you. Take okay. care. Okay. All right. We have a few minutes left. I wanted to address the chat. First of all, uh, Karen Carpenter, um, thank you so much for, you said you were listening to Graham Parker. Graham Parker was one of my favorite artists, uh, second probably only to Elvis Costello, my all-time favorite. But, uh, and you're listening to those two best albums. Those are his two best albums, Squeezing Out the Sparks and uh, uh, The Up Escalator. But uh, Graham, I never in a million years uh, thought that I would become friends with Graham Parker. But when I was writing on Bard Fame, and I guess you probably know this, but uh, he was one of the guys when I contacted him, uh, he was very receptive and started being friendly right away. And uh, he, uh, when he went to uh, play in Washington, D.C., he, he gave me tickets uh, and, and wanted to meet me. So I met him and then he came the next year and we did it again. And, and the last year, I think it was when he was touring, he let me know when he was coming, but I couldn't make it that time. And uh, so I hope he comes back again. I haven't heard from him for a while. I doubt he's on the same page with me in terms of COVID, but he has a couple of my books. He has, he has been, so it's wonderful to hear that you're listening to his, uh, his music. And it's great music, even despite any kind of uh, politics. I don't expect many of these many of these rock stars that I liked or whatever that to uh, be on the same page with me politically. But and there were some other. Let's see, there's some other people in here. I wanted to. I, you, lots of comments here today. Appreciate seeing everybody here. Rhonda Tate came on over and uh, from I guess Rockfin. I, so I don't know what was going on in Rockfin, but Tony had sent me a message that he couldn't. Uh, I don't know if it ever got up on on, on Rockfin, but at any rate, we couldn't uh, couldn't access it. I was over at FreeWorld.fm for a while, but it was. Nobody in the chat. So, and please, if you guys are, my show is going to be airing every, the Donald Jeffrey show is back. And every, every Wednesday from eight to 9 PM Eastern, it's going to be exclusively on freeworld.fm. So uh, 
try to catch that. I'd love to see because I mean I don't I don't know how to get guests on there yet. So it's probably just going to be me rambling and ranting. And so I'd like to, you know I like to have people to play off of. So I, I need you guys there in the chat room. So uh, please find your way over to there Wednesdays at, at 8 p.m. on freeworld.fm. Lots of great people here in the chat. John Lawler, um, uh, Rhonda Tate, Geese Busters, I see now. Uh, Don Lambert, Stephanie Green, White Wolf, of course, Karen Carpenter. Uh, it's very crowded today. John Bassiglone. Now what? Deborah Wheeler. I'll make sure I don't miss anybody here. Kiana Manta or Ananta. Sorry about that. I don't have my glasses on. Kiana Nanta. Um, I know there was a Catherine Z. I don't want to miss anybody here if I can help it. Sam's Bodie's Tree. There was uh, T. Jordan. I'm scrolling here. I, I know there's a few more of you here. I don't want to miss anybody. It's exciting to have your name read out over the air, over my YouTube channel. <laughs> Yolanda Simone, or Simone. I saw great comments from you. That might be the real man, the real van man. That might be it. I think that's just about it. Hopefully I got everybody. If I didn't, uh, sorry. And uh, okay. Is anybody else? Karen says, so cool you got to be friends with Graham Parker. I love those albums and listen many, many times. He was he was a part of uh, you know, my, you know, when I was I was a a party animal back in those days. He was, uh, that was uh, on my little mixtapes that I'd make up on my cassette in my car. And uh, wherever I was going, I would be playing lots of Elvis Costello and Graham Parker. And still liked a lot of Springsteen back then, the Beatles, the Beach Boys, and uh, the Ramones. And uh, gosh, Joni Mitchell, there were lots of uh, artists. Uh, Procol Harum, Roxy Music, uh, a lot of my favorites out there. Uh, Stephanie says, where's the other show place? Oh, that's, that's freeworld.fm. You go there and listen to it Wednesday at 8 PM freeworld.fm. So, uh, hopefully people support that. That's the, uh, the new effort, Billy Ray Valentine and Tony Artiburn, my producer are going, we have lots of good people there. We're still working out the glitches, but, um, We hope to make it, uh, you know, something fun. And it, uh, my idea, eventually, I'd love to have phone calls there. But I, because it's just me talking, I, I do play off the audience. Uh, that's what I, I like to do. So I need your participation over there. And I, I like to think of it as almost like an audio version of Substack, where uh, people can uh, come and, and ask me anything, ask questions and comment on anything. And I, I'll kind of take the uh, take the discussion where um, – where they want it because, you know, I can, I can talk about a lot of issues and uh, I want to talk about people, what people want to hear. Anyhow. So that's uh, Kian Anana says, Procol Harum, Waiter State of Pell Live in Denmark, 2000. Absolutely. They were a wonderful group. 
But anyhow, so these uh, it, we were, uh, this is the last show of 2023. So goodbye. And I'm, I'm working on a sub stack about uh, Auld Lang Syne 2023. Now uh, it talks about a little of my own New Year's Eve history and uh, how I come to view New Year's at this point. But uh, I thank everyone for listening, everyone that was so supportive of me this year, and hopefully next year will be even better. And uh, maybe the world will gain sanity, but at any rate, uh, you're a great audience and uh, lots of sane, intelligent people out there. And I, I very much appreciate every one of you. And uh, again, I'm just looking at the last few comments. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Hope you all had a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and we'll see you next year. Uh, we used to say, remember when you go on school vacation, see you next year. And when you were real little, you thought that was so cool. Oh, see you next year when you went on uh, Christmas break. But see you next year. So we'll see you next week, for next Friday at the same time. Thanks so much for listening to I Protest.